Welcome to Divorce Redefined, changing the experience of divorce with Cindy Stibbard. Cindy is ready to have those candid and unfiltered conversations so you know how to move forward in your marriage. You'll hear inspiring and insightful discussions surrounding this taboo subject to help you feel confident in your decision. Now, here's your host, Cindy Stibbard. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Divorce Redefined, Changing the Experience of Divorce. I'm your host, Cindy Stibbard. And if you're listening for a while and you've been following me, you might notice my voice isn't as it usually is today. I have COVID. Um, I'm not feeling the greatest, but this was an episode that I was not going to put off because I have the most amazing guest here with me today, and I can't wait for you to meet him. And we were talking about a really important topic But I want to just start by saying, like I do every week, that I'm so grateful to those of you who continue to tune in with me, either live every week on this show or or over on the podcast. I really wouldn't be doing this without all of you. And if this is your first time tuning in with us, I'm so glad you're here on this show every week. We dig deep into a topic that many of us feel uncomfortable about, a topic that's highly stigmatized in our society, and a topic that even those of us who have gone through it and are well on the other side, and that is a topic of divorce. So if you have been following me for a while and listening to my show, you already know how passionate I am about changing the experience of divorce, because I believe that changing this experience is a movement. And you don't have to be going through a divorce yourself to be supportive of this movement, but I would bet that you know someone who has, someone who is, or someone who will go through divorce at some point. And this show is for all of them. I truly believe that if we can get more education, more resources, and better professionals in front of you, those of you who are going through tough times, whether it be divorce or any major life transition, I really want to give you the tools to help empower you to navigate these tough times in a better and different way. And I believe if we do this, if we prepare, plan, normalize the conversation, we can start to eradicate the stigma and shame that society holds so firmly around divorce. And we really can start to do this together. If we do, I believe the entire foundation of our marriages and our relationships can start to change. The movement to change the experience of divorce isn't bigger than us. It is us. So that's why I've created this space for you, a place where you can come and learn and grow and be vulnerable and feel connected and above all to feel like you are not alone. So here we have these hard conversations because we're all on this journey together of bettering ourselves and supporting each other while doing it. And honestly, we all don't feel like we know what we're doing. So what this show is all about is to give you guidance, some direction, some insight, and even some inspiration so you can become more informed and educated on all the different pieces of the divorce process so that you can start putting those pieces together in a more empowered way. Today, we are going to be talking about one of the bigger pain points in divorce, and that is custody of the kids. A child custody battle may very well be one of the most stressful experiences a parent can endure, especially when you don't know what to expect. So if you're not the one even making it a battle per se, you still have to go into court with a solid plan of action to prove your case so that you can increase the likelihood that you're going to get the outcome you're hoping for. 
So before diving into a long, drawn out, expensive child custody battle, ask yourself what you can do to prepare. Parents who fight over custody often end up in court, engaged in a really difficult battle because typically one party is unwilling to compromise to reach an agreement. And in such cases like this, the court ultimately determines who will prevail and the outcome can sometimes be surprising. So today, let's dig into this because this is such a big part of the process for many individuals going through divorce. And I wanna introduce you to my most honorable guest today, And I can say that because he is a retired judge. He's also a family law attorney turned strategist, consultant, and coach. He's been helping people in the area of divorce and custody for nearly 20 years. In addition to working with clients one-on-one and in small groups, he has also created online training programs to help people around the world who are struggling through divorce and custody battles. He was also named to the National Trial Lawyers Top 100 list for exemplary performance during his career. Wow. So welcome to the show, Judge Anthony. Thank you, Cindy. Thank you for having me. And thank you for muscling through, even though you're sick. I'm sure, uh, you know, I appreciate it. I'm sure your listeners do, too. Yeah, well, I'm so thank you. And I'm, I, I don't feel great, but at least we can do this on Zoom and we and it can still happen. Right. I wasn't going to yeah. miss this episode because I think that what you do and what you have to offer is so incredible. So I'm so excited and honored that you're here because I what, what you touch on is a pretty big topic. And I think what I loved about your approach, which is what drew me to you in the, initially, was that you really have this like straight shooter, no BS approach to telling people what will really happen in your situation. I mean, you were a judge, you've seen it all. And I think that approach is so important that sometimes people need a bit of a wake up call when they're in a hard situation. For sure. So tell us a little bit about before we get started, um, what is your personal story around divorce and what took you down this path of being a judge and a lawyer and about custody? Yeah, so I've been a lawyer for a little over 20 years. Uh, I was a judge for for five of those years. You know, it's funny because when a lot of people do the math, when they see me online, they're like, well, that means you were for 25 years. No, you're still a lawyer when you're a judge. So it's been about 20 years I've been in the business. I'm going to be 44 here uh, in uh, July. But I've, ever since I started practicing law, I practiced in the field of uh, family law mainly. You know, there were I did also uh, a lot of criminal defense work, which actually got me very, very good and very familiar with, you know, um, persuasion and jury trials and jury psychology and that sort of thing. So it really helped out with what I'm doing now as well. But through those years, you know, I, I always I always recognize to a point how difficult the process was, how difficult a divorce and or custody battle were inside of court and outside of court. But uh, towards the end of 2017, early 2018, I went through my own uh, separation and divorce. And I have three sons at home. So that was a massive wake-up call to me uh, that really showed me what 
these people are going through when they go through it. Because, you know, I always say I'm one of the most equipped people in the world to go through a divorce, right? I, I've been on the bench. I've been an attorney forever. Um, I've helped, you know, thousands of clients through the process. I, I know a ton about psychology through my education and experience. Um, but even with that background and that expertise, it was still the hardest thing I ever had to go through. So I started thinking in my mind, okay, well, look, if I am, you know, if I'm an expert in this field and I'm this equipped and skilled to get through this unscathed and I'm having a tough time, I'm thinking, well, holy heck, there are people out there that know nothing about the process that have to just be completely devastated by the process. So I basically pivoted and uh, started doing uh, content and course creation and then some coaching and consulting. And then, uh, you know, I, I have like one or two current uh, attorney cases that I that I'm basically kind of just finishing up. And other than that, my whole career now is focused on, you know, course creation, content creation, small group coaching, private one on one consulting. And I've been able to help people uh, all over the world. Um, with it. And the reason why I have is because even though the laws are different, you know, the pains that we go through as human beings are still the same. The communication style as human beings is still the same. Um, the mindset uh, issues, they're still the same. Negotiating is the same. Persuasion's the same. Um, so it, it's really allowed me to really help people through this nasty, nasty process that they're going through. Oh my gosh. Yes. And the, the child custody issue is mm -hmm. so big. And you know, what yeah. do you, like people come to court because they're fighting over their kids. First of all, I never think that kids are owned, right? Like we share yeah. our children, but we go into the sense of like ownership. Now that we get divorced, like they're more of mine than they are yours type of thing. Yeah. And when people go to court, I mean, I always think they're going because there's obviously other emotional justice issues that they're looking for, right? They're still holding mm -hmm. some kind of resentment or anger over their ex-spouse and their behavior just comes out of the woodwork like you've never seen before. And they start to make it really difficult. So when mm -hmm. you see like child custody cases come to you, what are yep. they fighting about? Like what is holding on to them that they can't seem to come to an agreement typically? Yeah, I mean, it, it could be anything. It could be anything from the schedules. Uh, you know, usually it's the schedules. Sometimes it's the, the legal decision making um, and that sort of thing. Uh, but ultimately, you know, it's always... I shouldn't say always, but a lot of the times people let the issues that they have with each other spill over into their custody uh, battle, quote unquote battle. Um, and that's really what messes up the whole process. And it's, you know, I've always said that it's a custody case is like the perfect storm for, for emotional turmoil, right? Because you have your kids and the look in your eyes and, and your kids when they're going through the process, because it has a massive impact on them, right? Um, there's the, the nerves and stress surrounding being in court, right? There's the financial stress of having to pay for it. And, and, and you know, in the divorce, uh, in the realm of divorce, the division of property and the alimony and everything out, a lot of else, a lot of questions are there. Then you throw in the fact that the whole thing stems from a broken relationship, usually, uh, whether you want that or not, whether you want out of that relationship or not, it's still very, very, very emotional, uh, you know, very triggering. 
And when you combine all of that together, you have a stressful situation that the smallest amount of turmoil can make explode. And basically you're piling on a bunch of nasty things sometimes that you can't deal with. And then it's just, it, it, it kind of just goes back and forth, right? Because the, the more hurt and angry someone is, the more they're going to try to make the other side hurt and angry. And before you know it, you know, the focus is off the kids. Everybody's mm-hmm. going broke, you know, everybody's going broke trying to pay for their legal bills. Um, and, and, and it's just a, a, a horrible, horrible situation. Mm-hmm. And what, you know, what could possibly have been, you know, an issue that could possibly have been worked out is now does not, now not only has no chance of being worked out, but now the flames have basically grown into all other areas of that relationship. Totally. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's very, 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 it's a very sensitive and very, you know, hurtful situation. Yeah. <clears throat> and I can, I, I know that uh, it is, hard all, all of a sudden too the the sight is lost on what we're here for we're here about the kids and all of a mm-hmm. sudden it's like this character annihilation of each other um mm-hmm. and it turns into something completely different and you go yep. into that a lot you know I, I follow your tiktoks or and your instagram is beyond by the way so good i appreciate they, it thank you they really focus on you know how to communicate with a high conflict personality a, a, a narcissist in a custody mm-hmm. case because setting boundaries around that kind of personality is so important. And I have done a bit of research about there is typically some kind of high conflict, narcissistic personality, which is why you're getting all the way to court. Yep. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, in a lot of these cases, there is, uh, you know, there's an issue with narcissism. There's, there are issues with other mental health issues. There, there can be issues with drug and alcohol problems and anger problems and all sorts of that, all sorts of those situations. But even when you're in a situation where you don't really necessarily have that, the bottom line is it's, you know, you have people who are extremely hurt in the moment. Um, and it's a lot easier to show anger than it is to show sadness, right? So when you're hurt, one of the defense mechanisms that we have is to basically lash out, right? For two reasons, because it protects the feeling of pain and sadness. And then two, so you can inflict that amount of pain on the other person. Um, and then you throw in people who are genuinely narcissistic or who have mental health problems or drug and alcohol problems. And it can be just a never ending war. Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah. And then how do you, when you have a client like that, who's dealing with that kind of abusive, really volatile person on the other side, because there's a lot of hurt and pain. How do you counsel your client to handle that type? Cause you, I mean, I've seen clients too, where they have like these back and forth email battles, like, every day. And it's been a couple of years, you know, like they just can't seem to like let go of that. How do you, how do you navigate that for your, or help your clients through that? Yeah. So from a consulting and coaching standpoint, I basically try to get my client to focus on what they can control and what they cannot control. What they cannot control is how their client reacts and how their, or not client, how their ex reacts and how their ex treats them and the things that they say. What they can control is the boundaries that they set, um, the the self-love and self, self-enrichment that they need to partake in to make sure that they are in a strong enough position to not let the, the crap that the other side's doing bother them, 
right? Um, they can control their responses or lack of response, right? Um, you have to focus on you have to focus on what you can control and it is what you feel from within and what you do, your reactions, your thought process, you know, uh, what you say and your at overall attitude. But when you're coming from a relationship like that, that's, you know, abusive or somewhat abusive, that's a very, very difficult thing because, you know, that person has pretty much been broken down over the past X amount of years. And now they, they basically have to reestablish themselves. Right. Um, and they have to basically, when they're going through that process of reestablishment, they have to grant themselves the grace and the patience that, that it's all a growth process, right? You're not going to snap your fingers and wake, wake up one day and nothing's going to bother you, right? You're not going to snap your fingers and wake up and all of a sudden the nonsense that your ex says doesn't bother you anymore. But if you do the little things right, if you set your boundaries, if you're very disciplined in how and when you respond or don't respond, um, if you really focus on yourself and your self-love and self-enrichment and education and, you know, mental strength, emotional strength, physical strength, the whole thing, well, then you're pushing that growth process in the right direction. And then over time, over time, it's going to be a non-issue and you're going to, you know, you're going to end up being uh, a person who, who none of that stuff is going to bother you, right? It's going to just fall right off of you. And the reason why is because you're bigger than them. You're bigger than them. You're better than them. And, uh, and until you realize that it's, it's, it's going to be a tough go at it, but that's really what they, they can do. They have to do is focus on themselves and what they can't control and try and try to release the fact and desire to wanting to control the other side. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you see that so much. You just have mm -hmm. you know, one. It's it's hard. Your, your ex spouse knows your buttons more than anyone else almost. Yeah. Right. Yep. And they just kind of keep coming at you to try to, you know, break you down or try to convince you of something. And really, yep. you know, I see a lot where it then starts to go deep when they're not getting what they want. Now it's like, okay, I'm going to bash your character. You're a horrible parent. You know, nobody yep. likes you. Everyone thinks you're crazy. Blah, 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 blah. Yep. Smear, you know? you, smear your name to other people, you know, get your family involved, yes. your friends, you know, all that sorts of stuff. And it happens and it's a shame that it happens, but you can't control it. You can only control how you react to it and what you feel about it. And the only way you're going to, you know, get in that point of positivity is by continuing to work on yourself and strengthening yourself, right? Surrounding yourself with good people who really care about you and really love you and really support you for who you are. And, and then the other stuff that I said, the self-love and self-enrichment. Yeah. And setting boundaries, I think, around how you respond, because you do talk about that, too, in terms of what ways would you encourage someone to respond if they have to respond at all. But to these yeah. constant like email bashing and character annihilation, assassination type of things. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, I mean, my whole theory is whenever you're dealing with someone who's narcissistic like that and, and you're wondering, you know, how to communicate and how to respond. Uh, just a quick breakdown for you. Basically, if it's any sort of like a false allegation or anything like that, you have two choices. You either don't respond at all, or if you feel the need to defend yourself, you simply respond with, you know, that's not true. 
um, period. Now, you know, that's not true. You, you, you don't have to explain why you don't have to get into an argument with the person. You don't have to try to prove yourself right with the person. You just get it on paper that you're acknowledging that, that it's not true and they know it's not true, right? Whatever they say after that, ignore it. Um, if it's, 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 if it's harassing communication or, you know, nonsense that doesn't mean anything you ignore it you just ignore it you let it go in one ear and out the other or, or you know you just you don't respond to it right um if it's something to do you know every once in a while and usually it's because if you're dealing with a true not narcissist usually it's just because their attorney coached them to do this but every once in a while you'll get a positive communication or a productive communication right mm -hmm. and you do respond to those and you respond in the way that any good parent would and the reason why is number one you want to be creating a good record uh, for court uh, but number two and probably most importantly you want to you want to show that the other side you want to show them what it's going to take to get your attention right because they're they're number one currency is also your number one asset and that's your attention and the beauty of your attention is that you control it you control what you know when and how you know you pay attention to someone or something so if if that's something they covet most then you utilize that as your weapon and showing them what they're going to have to do to get it right treating you like you know treating you worthless or treating you like an a-hole that's not going to get it anymore right mm -hmm. you're not going to get paid you're not getting paid anymore right. paid with my my attention um and then and then the the communications that are kind of uh you know cryptic where uh might be a long email where there's some some uh, harassment, some false allegations, some productive information, you know, maybe about an exchange or a drop off or something like that. Well, then you got to you got to work through that that communication and, and have discipline, have patience and and decipher what requires a response and what doesn't and then mm -hmm. do it appropriately, you know, and um it, it's, it's not an easy process for someone who truly is going through a, re, a relationship or an ex-relationship with a narcissist or a narcissistic type person, but it's doable. And over time, it does work. And, mm. and, and you know, it's like any other growth process. You know, it's like, you know, you didn't you didn't hop on a bike for the first time and start riding around. It, it took time. It took yeah. practice. It took patience, it took confidence. Right. You didn't. You didn't just, you weren't born and then all of a sudden started walking and running and, totally. and, and, and jumping, you know, it took a lot of work and patience and time. But if, if you keep your eye on the future, you're going to see that that's, you know, that's going to come soon. So you got to, you got to keep doing what you're doing and it's going to mm -hmm. pay off in the end. Yeah, it totally. And you're right. It's all about the work that you have to do on yourself. And a lot of people don't think they've got to do the work. You know, it's the other side. They're crazy. Yeah. They're the ones that have to work on themselves. They need therapy, right? But I'm yeah. good over here. And I, yeah. I, I talk to my clients about that. You know, when some when some one of the parties is still so emotionally hooked that way on the one on the other partner, even mm -hmm. after years, to me that look that seems that they just haven't quite. Un, unattached they haven't unhooked they haven't worked through yep. that that pain that anger and as much as they think that they've moved on and they're happier now and you know everything yep. is great that is a pure sign that they have not 
moved on because yep. attention, even negative attention is still attention, right? You're still Absolutely. looking for that hit of, yep. you know, that dopamine. I need attention from my ex. Yep. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the whole thing is like people, people don't understand like what you're saying is hundred percent. Right. And the problem is, is a lot of the times the, the whole process of, of custody battles and litigation and divorce, people think they need to hate their ex to be successful yes. because they feel like they, they need to hate their ex number one, to convince people why they left or why the relationship didn't work. Right. It's very difficult when you're talking to your friends and family to be like, you know, well, I'm, I'm indifferent, but it was the right move. It's better to be like, they did this, they did yeah. this, they did this, they did this. This is why I left. This is why, you know what I mean? And, and then what it does is it, 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 you're basically teaching yourself to hate them even more. And then ultimately that's going to, that's going to lead to issues in your litigation and in your life, because you're going to mm -hmm. be, you're going to be obsessed. You know, you become almost obsessed with it and you're not thinking clearly. Um, you know, as far as the litigation is concerned and, and, and that messes you up. So you do not, contrary to what you, you, you have, people may have heard or believe or what they feel, you don't have to hate them to be, to, to have a clean break and to be successful at your yeah. divorce. You just don't. No. And I think that's part of changing the experience of it because everyone does expect you to family, friends, everyone takes a side. Um, yep. A lot of the good ones don't though. A lot of the good ones can manage to be Switzerland for them for most of the time, but yeah you do, you kind of create this, you know, us against them, um, sort of thing. And I feel like, yeah. you know, when you say like, there's something like the, we're only as strong as our weakest link. Right. And I feel yeah. like if you create that us and them mentality, you are the weakest link in this. Like you have yeah. a choice to let that go and say, okay, yes, we didn't work out. Yes. There were things that were done on both sides, but yeah. at the same time, what's done is done we got to really just not focus on the past and focus on the future, especially when we're trying to create a new relationship when it has to do with the kids. You know, that's the yep. most important thing. Absolutely. And yeah, absolutely. So I know, I noticed in my own personal divorce, when I, the more angst and anger and, and hatred, and I don't know if I ever actually felt hatred, but the, the negative emotions, the more that I felt that with my ex, the worse things were. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It wasn't until I was able to release that and step away from that, that things started to get a lot better yeah. right? and, and more productive, too. Yeah. And you have to look at like, what am I doing and bringing to the table instead of constantly blaming the other side, I'm blaming yep. you, or I'm blaming your new family. I'm blame, blame, blame. It's all your fault. When really like a lot of times we project, and I want to get into this after the break, but we project what we are doing onto other Absolutely. people. And yep. I think that's so important to look at ourselves deeper, but a lot of people don't do the work on that. And I think if you've gone through divorce, it's almost the experience. It's almost the reason to be like, okay, it didn't work whether I chose this or not, but this is my chance to actually do my next relationship better. So I'm going to dig into myself a little bit and see how I can show up better in my next relationship. But Absolutely. I want to get into that a little bit um, after the break, but we're just going to head to a quick commercial and we'll be right back. Okay. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
All of us know that it is next to impossible to make rational, logical, and even smart decisions from a place of fear. Most times, if we are in a place of fear and uncertainty, we won't make a decision at all. Cindy Stibbard, founder of Divorce Redefined, professional divorce and decision coaching, supports many individuals and couples at this stage who are unhappy and unfulfilled, who are either currently in the process of divorce or just only contemplating the idea of separation. Does this sound like you? If it does, you are not alone. Text DIVORCE to 602-200-6446 to book your free call. Those who choose to work with Cindy are wise and brave enough to realize that they need to know more before they're able to make such a big life decision. Working with a divorce and decision coach at these stages is the smartest investment you could make for yourself and your family. And it will almost always set you up for a better outcome, whether you choose the path of divorce or not. There have even been many individuals and couples who have decided to give their marriage another shot after working with Cindy. Because what she offers at Divorce Redefined is different. You don't have to only be getting a divorce to benefit from her professional guidance. Cindy offers a unique element in addition to her popular divorce services called decision coaching. Decision coaching is a type of guided support that is meant to help couples get out of that indecision purgatory. Modeled after her training at the Doherty Relationship Institute, Cindy Stibbard's decision coaching approach is specifically designed to do just that, help couples come to a decision, whether to take one more shot at reconciliation or whether it's better to prepare for divorce. Regardless of the direction taken, couples on the brink finally find the clarity and confidence to know whatever they decide, it is what's best for their family. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Divorce Redefined, changing the experience of divorce with Cindy Stibbard. If you have a question for Cindy or her guests, join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now back to the show. Here is Cindy Stibbard. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. I am here today with retired judge and family law attorney, Judge Anthony, and we are talking about ways to handle challenging, difficult ex-relationships, narcissists, and how that impacts your child custody case. So I wanted to kind of steer it in that direction because we were talking about how handling uh, an abusive, toxic, really narcissistic style of an ex-spouse in your life and how they communicate with you there are certain things that you want to really be careful of if this whole battle that you're in with them is going to go to court regarding the kids. So I know like we talk about being prepared. You know, a lot of people put all their trust in the lawyer. The lawyer is going to have my back when we get to court. I'm just going to let them kind of take the lead, which is also good. But I think that you talk about how different things people can do to prepare themselves for showing up to court in this way, because you want to make sure that you, you look credible, you look valid, you look non-narcissistic, right? Like you want to be very firm and strong in your position. So how, how do you recommend that people work on preparing themselves for actually going to court about the kids? Yeah. I mean, I I think, I mean, obviously it's going to depend on the law and your state, but I, I, I would guess that cooperation and flexibility uh, and, and those sorts of qualities go a long way. Right. So 
you can't go in trying to control everything. You know what I mean? And if you are going in and trying to control everything, you better be able to prove the reasons why you're doing that, mm-hmm. right? Maybe there's some sort of uh, physical or, or emotional abuse going on with the children in particular. Um, so you, you, you gotta, you, you gotta be able to show, like I said, some flexibility, some cooperation. Um, you, you don't, you don't want to be overly emotional when you're in court. You know, a lot of people, I say that sometimes and a lot of people were like, well, the court expects us to be like unemotional and just like a computer or something. Well, that's not the case. You can, you can show emotion, you know, it's okay to show sadness, right? It has to be genuine sadness, right? Um, But you can't, you definitely don't want to show anger. You definitely don't want to be saying anything in court. Uh, that that is not going to be relevant or persuasive in your case, like to, to just say it to hurt the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and it's a big thing, because if you if you are going into court and you are overly emotional or you are overly controlling, you know, or you are, uh, you know, just an angry person that can if you're dealing with a savvy uh, other side, whether it be your ex or their attorney, they can really turn that on you. Mm-hmm. Like very quickly. Uh, so you have to be ready for it. And, and, and knowing, you know, knowing that, knowing that that is what's going to either harm you or benefit you in court, then you need to basically take that theory and apply it to your behavior and your communication outside of court too. Mm-hmm. Right. Because basically what you're doing outside of court is setting up the evidence and the record for when you're in court. Mm-hmm. Right. So, if, if you have someone, uh, if you have the other side who's saying that you're overly, over, overly controlling or you're not letting them see the children or you're trying to dictate everything. Well, not only do you want to make sure you in your actions and in your words in court, you show the court you're not that kind of person, but you also want to be intentionally doing things outside of court to prove that you're not that person. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. that's really. Yeah. Go ahead. How much of that can you bring to the court's attention? Like, are they interested in that? Like you have like this email constant communication where one party is very clearly maybe verbally abusive, you know, painting a picture, really trying to be controlling and interfering on the other parents parenting time and almost in that bullying type behavior. Like how much of the courts want to, or should they see that? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, it's going to depend on the law and your jurisdiction. Uh, but I, I think it's important. I don't think it makes or breaks the case. I think it's something that is important and is relevant. But there are a lot of other things that are important and relevant too. you know, schedules uh, of the parties, backgrounds of the parties, as far as any sort of mental health or drug and alcohol or criminal uh, type issues. Um you know, any parenting issues, you know, whether or not, uh, you know, if the child is already staying at both both houses, whether or not there's a massive uh, uh, noticeable difference on uh, school grades, attendance and behavior and, you know, those sorts of things when they're at one party's house. Uh, what type of abuse uh, happens between the two parents um, in front of the children, especially? Right. Mm -hmm. Those sorts of things. I think those are all 
uh, more important than the controlling thing. But I think that the control and, and, and uh, those sorts of issues are kind of, kind of just like things that you want to make sure that you also uh, bring up because they're, they're most likely going to be relevant in your case. And you want to, you want to paint the picture as a whole for the judge, right. As to whether or not the other side should, should get time or not get time. Right. Right. Cause you're really trying to bring evidence that sh- gives them a sense of the character that you're dealing with. Cause anyone can show up and be completely different in person, but behind the scenes is this verbally abusive, you know, back and forth email battle. Right. 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 Yeah. And a lot of times that, that sort of stuff, I mean, unfortunately that doesn't always mean much in, in, mm-hmm. in, uh, in court, but when it can mean a lot is when you have somebody in court, you know, acting like the perfect person or the gem, and then you can admit, have text messages and things admitted of some of the disgusting and derogatory things that they have done or said. So it kind of like breaks the shell a little bit, you know, it might not mm-hmm. be on its face. It might not be uh, incredibly important unless it's being done in front of the child. But if you have that kind of holier than thou type person uh, on the stand and then you bring in that sort of communication style, it could certainly have an impact. Yeah. Big time. And it's always, you know, I think it's scary to me to think that you would go all the way to court to have a judge make a decision on your life, you know, but people, yeah. people have, people do it. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. You don't, because you don't know what's going to happen. You know, you don't know that judge could do something that's going to anger and upset both of you. Right. You both could walk out of there completely unhappy. Right. I mean, in the extreme cases, you know, you could get an order where the child goes and lives with a third party or a facility or, or, or an organization or something like that. Right. In the extreme right. cases. Uh, so, yeah, the only way, you know, I always when I was uh, practicing law full time as an attorney, I always told people the only way to ensure you 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 know what you're going to get is to, to work it out on your own. Other than that. You have no idea what's going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. It's so true. But people yeah. can't can't get there. And I think a lot of times they think, okay, I'm going to go to court because the judge is going to side with me. You know, mm-hmm. how often does that yeah. happen where you feel like one side is completely bombarded or something super changed? Like, have you ever seen where there's a parenting plan already in place? Now we're like a few years into it and we go to court and it just completely flips for no real apparent reason except maybe just disagreeing on how much time each parent gets. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that happen. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Where schedules are created by the court that make absolutely no sense at all. Right. The problem is, is you, you, you know, and you have to really kind of step away from your case and look at it objectively without all the emotion involved and, and, and determine whether or not it's still worth it to move forward with the trial because a lot of times it is because sometimes it's the other side is being completely unreasonable. Mm-hmm. Right. So you really have no option. And then you kind of want to discuss with your attorney, well, what's my worst case scenario if we go to court. And then if you're all right with that in comparison to what you're dealing with now, then you probably want to go to court, you know? Um, so, I mean, it happens a lot where, where cases are turned upside down. But sometimes you don't have any other option but to take that risk. Right. Because the other side just will not come to any type of agreement. So you really have no choice. Right. Yep. Yeah. And it's so risky. And I feel like it definitely intrudes on 
all the relationships involved, especially when I see parents getting, well, I'm going to get the views of the child, or we're going to do a special, you know, assessment of the whole family in situations where let's say there isn't like questionable abuse going on. There isn't drug and alcoholism that is clearly still going on, but there's just this vibe for, I need more time as a parent. And I see it lots actually with moms, you know, for me, losing my kids half the time was a shock. I never thought my ex-husband was going to want 50%. I mean, I was like 98% caregiver. Like I never crossed my mind when I left my marriage that that would even be possible. But, you know, growing up, I didn't have my dad around a lot. So as much as Mm -hmm. my kids losing time with them literally felt like my arms were being pulled from my body, like physical pain. Yeah, I had to think like, this is not for me. If I'm keeping the kids on my time more when their father wants to be there for them, is able to be there for them, there isn't really anything suspect. It's just he's going to have to learn how to parent here. Um, yep. Why would I hold that them back from that? And so it was really separating yep. me from what was best for them. knowing that I missed out a lot of time with my dad and I would never want that for my kids. And that's a, that, that look, that's a very mature way to look at it. And that's a very objective way to look at it. And a lot of the times we're not always dealing with the most mature people. And because of all of the emotions involved, people have a difficult time of looking at it objectively. You know, one of the, one of the things that I like to tell people, you know, in a situation, maybe like, like, like your situation, when you're giving up 50% of the time, you know, use that 50% of the time to work on yourself. Oh right? yeah. You don't want to like, I, I have a, I've made a couple different videos uh, tick, on TikTok and Instagram. That's basically the, the whole point of it is, is basically like people always say like, my kids are my life. Right. And you're attached to your kids as your life. But in reality, you are their life. Right. Mm -hmm. You are their life. You are the one that needs to be the best person you can be, the strongest you can be, the the most educated you can be, you know, um, the most approachable, Uh, because ultimately speaking, your children are going to grow older and be adults and you're not they're not going to be your life Mm -hmm. because they're you're not they're not going to be around at all. Right. Other than maybe like Sunday dinners or whatever you guys do as far as family goes. So if you are in that situation where you don't have as much time as you want, or maybe you have to give up 50% of the time, you know, I, I have 50, 50 in, in, in my situation. And when I first started it, I, I it broke my heart. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, even being the dad, you know, it, it, it broke my heart. Um, and still, you know, there's still times where, you know, you might miss out on something or, you know, and you feel bad for yourself, but ultimately I came to the realization that, all right, look, I got to be, the happiest and the best version of myself, because not only do I want to be an example for them, but when things, when they need, you know, support and advice or whatever in their life, I want to be in that position. I don't want to be this like poo poo boo hoo. Woe is me type person that, you know, they're going to be looking at like maybe now thinking that's how they have to be in life. When things don't go their way, I want them to see somebody that, that is, using my time like to, to build the the 
the community and the programs that I have for people to help as many people as I can, you know, because through that process, I'm educating myself too. Right. And, and totally. I'm understanding, you know, how to be there for them. I'm, I'm, I'm better, I'm better at, uh, you know, co-parenting and communicating with my ex. We, we, I always say we co-parent probably better than most people I've ever seen. Um, and, and that's what can happen if you look at it like that, as opposed mm-hmm. to look at it, at it, looking at it like what you're losing out on, mm-hmm. you know, look at what you're gaining too, which is time for yourself. And, um, you know, while it, like I said, it's very easy and it really feels like our kids are our life. It's not true. Like you're, you are your kid's life. And, and guess what? You only have one of those too. Mm-hmm. So you know, you're, you're not, we're not getting any younger, right? <laughs> so you know what I mean? We only, we only have so much time that we can actually enjoy doing the things we enjoy doing. Right. Yeah. And you got, you got to look at, look at it all that way and, and, and look at the whole picture, not just the parenting, wanting to bond and, and be there yeah. uh, for them. It is a silver lining that I do work with clients a lot who are having struggles or they are, they're literally putting that their foot down and saying, well, I we're getting divorced, but I refuse to have any less than a certain percent. And so it's yeah. working on that piece of actually there is a silver lining to this. Yes. It's going to take time. Yes. It's going to be hard to adjust to that time away, but it actually is a benefit. It's a benefit to your parenting. I mean, I'm a way better parent mm-hmm. when I get my kids because I can be focused yeah. on them. I can be present. It's really about you know them on that week and then on the week apart it's really about me you know like you building your business building you know your your legacy that you're trying to help others through also your relationship you know any new relationship really benefits from that time together right yep yep yeah because you know there's something that i talk about it's called the basically i call it the transferred mindset effect and basically what it is, is like, you know, when you're going through a divorce, custody battle, co-parenting issues, whatever, that feeling of dread and sadness and anger and everything can really start to, that mindset can really start to be uh, subconsciously and unintentionally transferred into other areas of your life, right? Maybe with your relationship or your work or, you know, your, your, your level of happiness and, and, and satisfaction in general. But the cool thing about it is, is that that transferred mindset effect can also be conscious and and intentional. And what I mean by that is when you are doing things like you're doing, building a business, achieving and setting your own goals, you know, maybe working on a new relationship, that level of, of fulfillment and happiness that you are getting can, will then be transferred into your divorce and custody case, right? It will be transferred into your co-parenting relationship with your ex, It'll be transferred into your relationship with your children. I noticed as my life progressed through my separation and as I started to work on myself and as I became happier as a human being and more fulfilled as a human being, things in those other areas started to get a lot better, right? Mm -hmm. My relationship with my ex got a lot better, right? Because, you know, if she was having a bad day and I was happy, then there would be no fight because it was just like, yeah, whatever, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Same with my kids. You feel like you're in a better position to parent more effectively when you're happy, healthy, and fulfilled. 
Totally. And it totally comes from having that personal feeling of fulfillment. I mean, I definitely agree with you on that. When I started really making something for myself, you know, as no longer just a stay at home mom, you know, for 11 years, I was something more. And that yep. allowed me to just let go of everything and all the resentments that I might have had that kept me holding myself back. Because really, at the end of the day, he didn't hold me back and all that. It was me holding me back where I was yep. before. But but this divorce has offered the opportunity to then really become something new. And our yep. co-parenting definitely changes. Not to say there isn't, you know, adult issues that go on continually in our relationship, but we do not allow them to affect the kids anymore, which I think is super huge. And That's we try, awesome. you know, both sides has have new partners and we're kind of like, you know, sort of pseudo blendy families, but that in itself is also hard. And it sounds like too, you have that going on a little bit yourself. You know, you have this amazing partner, you and mm -hmm. Candy Valentino, yep. you're like this power couple that is always so inspiring, <laughs> you. Yeah. but you have to deal with that dynamic as well. So how do you co-parent yeah. with all of these parents in the, in the mix? Yeah. Well, it's a little bit different for us because I don't, I don't know if you know this, but I travel back and forth from Arizona to Pennsylvania. So I do week on week off with my ex. And when I don't have my boys, I, I have three sons. They're all starting to get older now. I have 18, 15 and 12 in two days. Um, when I'm not with them, I fly out to air back out to Arizona and candy and I, you know, live here in uh, paradise Valley. So it's a little different because she's, she's involved as far as from a supporting a, a position of support. And she does communicate uh, with my children, you know, just via text and just normal okay. things, you know, wishing them luck and stuff or, you know, happy birthdays or, Hey, this made me think of you or, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. whatever. Um, but even though we are a little bit different because we're not, you know, all going to soccer, soccer games together. I don't even know why I picked soccer because none of my kids play soccer. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like the parent normal thing one. to say. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> right, so basketball games or lacrosse games or, or or whatever we're not doing that but there's still like the co-parenting issues that could really transfer into your new relationship and the key to it well one of the keys to it is is to have a partner that understands and appreciates it and 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 that you can 100 be honest with about it mm -hmm. right child support payments um, money issues, you know, scheduling issues. You gotta be straight with your new partner. Cause a lot of the times in cases that I've seen where there have been the most turmoil, it's because somebody's not really being hundred percent honest with all parties. Mm -hmm. Right. Totally. Um, but in order to be honest to, with that person successfully, you have to have somebody that understands it and mm -hmm. gets it right. And candy, candy is, she's amazing through the whole process. She's an, uh, she's an only child, but she has, she comes from parents, a family that was divorced too. Right. Yeah. So she gets it. And early on, she would actually offer that to my kids. Like, look, I know what you're going through. Like I've been, I, I get it. Like, it's not easy. It's, it's, you know, I'm here if you ever need me, not forcing herself into the situation, but being there from, from a support aspect. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think uh, like even calling us out on our own crap, like, you know, when we get kind of get into the whole, like us versus them thing and your partner can be really on board with like 
on your hate train, right? It's so important yeah. to have your partner be like, you know what? Wait a second. You got to get off yeah. of this for a second because you're stirring the pot or you're lighting the fire. You know, how can you yep. approach this better or stop approaching this yep. this way at all? Right. You know? Yeah. And then it, it's, you, you have to, you have to be understanding and flexible as the bio parent too. Like, like I can't, I can't say enough about my ex and how she's handled the whole situation with, uh, you know, us living out here and with candy being in the picture, you know, my, the boys have traveled out here, uh, many different times, you know, no objection, uh, from my ex, you know, no. So you have to, as a parent, you have to be understanding that when a new person gets involved, like things are going to be a little bit different. That's mm-hmm. just the way it is. But the ultimate goal is always to make it as most comfortable as possible for the kids. Right. And act totally. like adults. <laughs> act like adults. And I always find that. so. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's so funny. We expect our children to behave in ways that we aren't behaving ourselves in divorce. You know, yep. we need to yep. practice what we preach and they learn from what we do, not what we say. And if we think the yep. kids aren't seeing it or picking up on it, we're wrong. I mean, even my son would be like, it's, it's four years later. He's like, mom, you guys have to stop this divorce stuff. <laughs> you know, yep. like, like end of yep. story, stop. Because they, they feel it. They pick it up. Even if you're not really saying much or you're not really speaking poorly, they know there's tension. They can feel it. They, they know when there's a disagreement or there's, you know, depending on, I can control what I'm saying in my home. And always endorsing mm-hmm. the other parents, but I don't know what happens over there, you know, and it's, they're still dealing with it. And we have to remember yep. that, oh yeah, this isn't theirs. This is not yep. their issue to have to yep. deal with. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's complicated. And it's, it's important though, that to be able to know that there's so much support and guidance out there. I feel like there wasn't this kind of thing when I was going through mine, like four years ago. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden the world has exploded with places to find support, find, you know, education to how to navigate this differently. Cause I do think we're all on this changed of this movement train of making this whole experience that can be different, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And like I said earlier on and during our talk, is it doesn't matter what the laws are. We're all human beings. We all have the same desires and, you know, we all want our children to be safe and happy. You know, we want to find enjoyment in our lives um, and we don't want to be hurt by people. And, and, and it's the same. Our communication is the same. What drives us is the same. The, the, the things that we want and don't want, they're, they're ultimately the same. So I think that this whole movement's great. And I think it's only going to continue to grow throughout, throughout the world, really. Yeah, I hope so. And if we can all, yeah. the ones that are in it, I mean, we can all really take a different approach to it. Let go of the past, work on yourself, look at the future and what you're cr- trying to create because that relationship with your children and your ex-spouse is going to be around forever, especially if you've got kids. Yep. So it's in your control to make it different. Um, so this has been so awesome. I'm so grateful to have you here. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Before sure. we go, tell everyone where they can find you. Yeah, my they, on on uh, Instagram, I'm Anthony Bompiani. On uh, TikTok, I'm Judge Anthony. I make a ton of content, and my website is judgeanthony.com. I got different coaching programs and courses available for people, and I have a free webinar at uh, webinar.judgeanthony.com. You and yeah, your TikToks and Instagram is like off the hook. It's awesome. So everyone Thank needs you. to I go there it. right now. It's very very talented. So well, really well Thank done. You. And it was so nice having you on the show today, Anthony. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. 
Thank you to everyone who's listening today. I hope you enjoyed the show. And if you didn't catch the live show, please head on over to anywhere podcasts are our broadcast um, and catch it there. We are so happy to have you and I look forward to seeing you all again next week. Thank you for listening to Divorce Redefined, changing the experience of divorce. We hope Cindy and her guests were able to put your mind at ease and help you make the right decision for your marriage. We wish you a beautiful week.